0: in one timeout for Cincinnati and going deep into the end zone and caught by Chase oh my goodness what a crab 34-yard touchdown throw
1: Burrow back to throw fires deep down the sideline Chase wide open touchdown bangles Hello and welcome to episode 167 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirons and how about that? We've got a new intro for a new football year and what a start to the year for the Cincinnati Bengals. Nathan Palmer, hello.
0: Well, just as you've got a nice fancy new intro, my son, I must say I really do enjoy it. We've got a new start for the Bengals, haven't we? Some some murmurings and some announcements at Paul Brown Stadium.
1: Goodness me, it's been, um, well, I wouldn't say uncharacteristically kicking off, because it has done the last couple of years, but they've never been... I think we mentioned it uh, when we did the podcast last week, they'd just signed two guys, Ted Karras and Alex Kappa. But then, as the week continued, there was a, a lull for a couple of days, and then things started to move again and then it kind of built up to a massive crescendo at the weekend and suddenly we've got a team again, haven't we? I mean, it's been very
0: exciting. 100%. And I mean, I think it got to a point towards the back end of last week. Obviously, they made some fantastic moves to start with and then it really slowed down and you saw, I mean, across the league, just absolute fireworks going off, teams making trades, pulling off big... Um, big value moves, huge contracts knocking around. I mean, I think the Bengals fans felt very included on day one. But then after that, they really started to get put at the back of the queue. And just as you were sort of thinking, oh, God, you know, is this enough? Actually looking on paper, how much better have we actually got? And there's a lot of sort of, you know, frustrating and stuff like that. They really came out and shot the big guns out last night, didn't they?
1: Yeah, they really did. What a fun Process for Bengals fans, although it was kind of an emotional roller coaster, really. So let's just review some of the moves. Um Russell Wilson to the Broncos, Devontae Adams to the Raiders, Khalil Mack to the Chargers. Uh who else have we got?
0: Matt uh, Ryan. Very Matt recently. Matt Ryan just told- now.
1: Hot off the press, although it won't be when you listen to this. Matt Ryan to the Colts. Um
0: it's Sean Watson. Yeah, that's
1: that's. I don't really want to speak about that scumbag, but um, I don't know. Let, let's just get out of the way. What do you think about the Deshaun Watson thing? I'm I'm pretty. It, to me, that's the ugly side of the NFL. This win at yeah. all costs, without any moral scruples whatsoever. I know he's been found innocent by a grand jury, but there there are 22 women, 22 accusers of serious sexual assault. And the way they structured their contract and just everything, it's just kind of... It is win at all costs. Damn everyone. Damn the accusers. Damn the survivors of this alleged, these alleged sexual assaults. Damn everything. We're just going in it to win it. And uh, it just kind of... Well, it makes me kind of sick, really, and I feel really bad. I don't know what kind of message it sends out, really.
0: Um, I think the NFL has a terrible reputation with stuff like that. And you see around the league, be it for an all manner of horrible incidents and unsavory incidents to do with anything from dog fighting, people literally killing people, driving drunk and then coming back into the league, um, domestic violence, all of that sort of stuff and people getting a second chance in the league. And all of a sudden it gets kicked under the table and people forget about it. I mean, it's, it's very ugly. And, For someone like that, not only to come back into the league and get given a second chance sort of begrudgingly, to get offered that sort of money to come back in. Now, of course, like you said, he was found innocent by a jury, but those things very hard to prove. And as exactly as you said, 22 people have gone out there and said something all unrelated. Very, very difficult to sit there honestly and say, yeah, this guy Um, but I really strongly think he's innocent. He's been framed by 22 people. It's very hard to sit there with a straight face and say that. And it's really ugly. And I I think the NFL, I mean, there's rumours he's going to be banned for a full season. And it's one of those, isn't it? If you're the NFL, wouldn't you want to dish out something a bit bigger than that? I mean, you banned Calvin Ridley for a year for gambling on his own team to win. I, I just think, how can you seriously sit there with a straight face and say the two are comparable? It really... I really don't think the NFL cover themselves in glory with stuff like this. It is horrible, and it's going to be very uncomfortable in some ways. Because you know what? Deshaun Watson's a a fantastic player. He'll probably have a great... He's got Amari Cooper to throw to now. He'll be a pretty dangerous team, the Browns. And if he starts playing at a high level... The league will forget quite quickly when his fantasy points are going through the roof and he's um, NFL player player of the week with FedEx and he's making the Pro Bowl and he's doing some stuff for charity. And within two, three years, I'm not saying it'll be forgotten, but it'll be seriously swept under the rug. And for someone earning that much money and the seriousness of the allegations, I think that's very uncomfortable. Um as a fan certainly and I feel for cleveland brown fans you know that's not yeah. a situation that i would like to be put in if he was coming over to the bengals and i think there's a few people that have said look i don't want to be associated with a team like this and in many ways rightly so so very controversial very difficult um but definitely a, an ugly like you said son an ugly side of the nfl
1: you know the browns are our rivals they've been our rivals forever we've got inextricable links with the Browns because of Paul Browns. their you know, the Battle of Ohio twice a year, the stuff with Baker Mayfield in recent years, the resurgence of the Browns as a team in recent years made that rivalry a little bit hotter. Um, they've got a proud, proud history. Jim Brown, Otto Graham, all those guys. And they've got a big proud fan base, I I just would not know what to do if I was a Cleveland Browns fan. I'd be pretty disgusted, I have to say, I think, first and foremost. Uh, and those statements that they released saying that they uh, did extensive research into the situation, they didn't do that much extensive research by the sounds of it because they didn't talk to the 22 women who accused Deshaun Watson of serious sexual uh, assault. So, you know, I find that difficult to swallow. I find his contract and the guaranteed money and the way it's structured difficult to swallow. I find, like you said, the NFL's stance on domestic abuse and sexual violence difficult to stomach, I have to say. I don't think they're anywhere near as... Uh, a strict or like you say it's kind of as soon as these players start playing again they win a few games and put in a few performances they they don't get you know th- these sort of things should be punished accordingly i think everyone deserves a second chance but i think the difference is between uh, a lot of one off uh, incidences of pretty heinous acts of violence, and you can include Joe Mixon into that as well, we've got to be honest, you know. Chad. Um, uh, Chad as well. Um, these seem to be one-offs, uh, whereas 22 women suggests a serious pattern of predatory behaviour, and that that's something that is... I don't know. Uh, I, I, if I were a, a Browns fan, I know a lot of Browns fans we see on Twitter have already jumped ship. They can't deal with it. I know certain sections of the Cleveland media and Cleveland kind of well, people in the city, the wider city of Cleveland, are having real problems uh, processing this, and you can't really blame them. I have to say, uh, I don't like the move. I don't like. I just don't like it at all. It sends the wrong message to everyone. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It just leaves a very, very bitter taste, uh, I think, in the mouth. So, um, but anyway, this is a Bengals podcast. But you know, we had to mention that I think because it's the biggest story in the NFL this week. I think. Um, shall we at least move on to good news? Because let, let, let's go through what the Bengals have been doing since the last time we spoke to you. I'm sure you know. They've obviously signed Ted Carris, who has been confirmed as centre because they released Trey Hopkins last week. Uh, we'll get on to Trey in a moment. Alex Kappa signed. And then later in the week, uh, to replace CJ as tight end number one, Hayden Hurst. So I was quite pleased with that. I completely forgot Hayden Hurst was out there on the market. And... Um, He's not bad. He's not bad at all. And his 2020 numbers were very comparable to CJ's last year. And CJ had a career year last year. Um, so if he can get back to his 2020 numbers, he had a down year in yeah. in 2021. Yeah. I think perhaps because Kyle Pitts became yeah, a featured course. tight end yeah. in Atlanta. Um, but I loved his press conference. He seems like a great guy. He's hungry, he's got a massive chip on his shoulder, and he's ready He's ready to go. And uh, I don't know, I think we might have got a decent decent guy there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you make a really good point on his 2020 numbers. I mean, he had 571 yards, six touchdowns. That's more than CJ had last year. So, obviously, last year his, his stats were massively impacted by Kyle Pitts. He's a very high-character guy, not someone you would have put at the top of the class in terms of what was available. There was a couple of players probably slightly, we talked about last week, slightly more um, obvious potentially, or um, you'd maybe say slightly potentially better. But I think it's a decent signing. I think it it leaves the door open for a tight end to be drafted, for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't think by any means we could sit there and say, look, that's going to be... the tight end position done for the next couple of years and it solves a massive problem. I think we definitely still need to draft someone and there's still a chance, I think possibly, um, I'd say it's unlikely that they bring in another tight end to stick them a bit of competition in there. Uh, Maybe later in the process, if anyone's around brings a camp body in or something like that, but overall a solid signing. And I think exactly like you said, if, if Hayden Hurst could play well, gel with Joe Burrow, um, there's no reason to think that he couldn't match uh, CJ's level of production Um, that we saw last year
1: one year deal for Hayden Hurst Uh, there were a bunch of re-signings as well BJ Hill good re-signing Clark Harris the legend is back Michael the two Mike Thomases are back the safety and the wide receiver Brandon Allen is back at quarterback Uh, Josh Tupu on a two year deal I believe and Eli Apple is back uh, on a one-year deal. So, again, pretty solid re-signings there. I don't think anybody could argue with that. I know some people want a different backup quarterback, but you have to kind of bear in mind the relationship that Alan has with Joe Burrow and the club and Zach. And yeah, um, I don't think he's, he's fantastic by any means, but he's a solid guy and that's kind of what you need. Eli Apple's an interesting one. Uh a lot of people out there still want another cornerback. I mean Stefan Gilmore is the new is the new name on Twitter that everybody's asking for, and that certainly would be fantastic if they could sign Stefan Gilmore. Uh but having splashed out four mil on Eli Apple, I wonder if they're gonna do something I don't know what whether Gilmore would command much more money. Um But again, you mentioned there's a scope for drafting a tight end in this year's draft. I think there's definitely definitely scope for drafting uh, a good young cornerback because there's going to be a bunch of them where we're picking at the end of the first and if they trade back into the second. So um, Eli Apple had a good season last year. It was one of the stories of the season, I think. So I think he deserves to come back, really, you have to say.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not an expensive deal either, you know, it's not going to break the bank. I think it's good depth. He played well last year, he took a step forward. I think he'd want to build on that and try and secure himself if he did build on that, potentially a much bigger deal um, in the years coming. So the Bengals they don't need to reinvent the wheel, like I said last week. They, they, they did extremely well last year, they played well as a team, they got better as the year went on. You want to try and bring uh, bring back as many guys as you can within the budget. So I think Freelay like Apple, for sure, that's a good signing. It would be great to get another guy. I mean, goodness me, if you could go out there and get someone like Stefan Gilmore, that would be serious luxury for the Bengals there. You'd be shopping at Harrods because you really, at that point, it would open the draft up massively. And you want to be in a position, especially for a team... That is like, like we are realistically competing for the Super Bowl, and that's got to be the aim for us. You want to be in a position where you're going best player available, and you're not absolutely locked into having to draft a corner or a tight end or a position that you feel is an obvious weakness on the team moving forward. And they've done that on the line now. We don't need to sit there and say, "Oh my God, we have to draft um, a guard or a tackle in the in the draft," otherwise Burrow's going to get absolutely throttled. You know that's now not a concern. Um, I think cornerback is probably where we sit right now. One of those areas, it could use a bit of work. Maybe that D line as well is a little bit thin. Um, But if the Bengals could go out there and get a couple of pieces there, just to satisfy that the guys that come in in the draft are almost just luxuries. And we may hopefully won't need to rely on them and anything they can produce will just be a plus. And that's what we've already got.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, well, let's talk about the offensive line. Um, I think this week has, has proved that free agency is the best and the worst period of the year. It's exciting. You never quite know who your team's going to go for. Uh, you pick up some great, exciting new guys. But also, there's some horrendous news of people, you know, good guys on the team. Larry Ogunjobi signs a £40 million contract with Chicago. Good for him. Did a good job for us last year. Then fails a medical. I mean, how heartbreaking is that for the lad. Mm. Um it's cost
0: him a billion that.
1: Yeah, I mean ter- I mean, what terrible look. And then of course, you know, you've got Trey Hopkins, who an undrafted free agent yeah. back in twenty fourteen, I believe. He was cut twice but then made it back onto the practice squad, uh, secured a job against all odds as a starting guard, then was moved to centre, knacked his knee up before last season, what obviously wasn't right, and from what you hear, he was not practicing during the week. He was doing extra rehab on his knee. Got better as the season went on, and played fairly solidly in that playoff run. Uh, all by all accounts, he's great. He's a leader. He's a quiet leader. He's a very intelligent, fun, well-read sort of guy. Uh, and you want those guys on your team. And what a story he's had. I'm not saying it's the end of his story in the NFL, but certainly what a story with the Bengals he's had. A uh, really inspirational story. And then, you know, he gets cut. And, you know, it's it's kind of, again, it's the best and worst in free agency. You get excited about a guy like Ted Karras and Alex Kappa. But then you have to say goodbye to a guy that's been around seven years or so who's put everything into making himself an NFL starter against all the odds. So a big thank you to Trey Hopkins. Uh, let's see where he lands and we wish him well. Um, but then yeah, the, ex- yeah, the, yeah, the, the excitement as well is the Lael Collins saga. And it was a saga, wasn't it? Bloody hell.
0: You saw him at Greg's hand, didn't you?
1: <laughs> I did, yeah, I did. Steak, bacon, a cherry, eh? There he was. Um, it was getting out of hand. People just tweeting every. Five minutes, sign layout Collins, sign layout. Where's the news about layout Collins? Where's the news about layout Collins? You had, you know, these, these, uh, I don't know what you call them, news reporters who were kind of saying, hey, look, just relax. I'll let you know when I hear anything. And it's people just going into a frenzy. You just will sort of say, just go out, leave Twitter behind for an hour or so, go and get some fresh air, go and get yourself a Frappuccino, go and do some, go and play swing ball somewhere. Get yourself a steak bake and cherry aid. Get yourself a steak bake and a cherry aid. Just relax. Because as we all know, you know, contract negotiations when, you know, you've got a player of Colin's stature, not just physical, but, you know, kind of uh, his quality, people are going to be after him. And by all accounts, the Bengals went at him hard and shipped him over to Cincinnati. And then the, a, a, a Miami-based journalist said he's kind of left without a deal and that sent everybody into a tailspin. And then <laughs> and then some guy snapped him in a shopping mall uh, somewhere in Cincinnati, Kenwood, wherever that is. Good uh, spot, that is. Yeah, that was great, wasn't it? That, that was, <laughs> <laughs> it was fan power. Yeah,
0: sunglasses as well. Like, not the easiest spot. But I suppose a guy his size does stand out, doesn't he? Yeah.
1: And then late last night, it was revealed that he was signing the deal. and uh, And I think, you know... It's just a fantastic signing because, as I say, someone of his quality really sends... Well, it works in both ways, doesn't it? A guy of his quality certainly sends a message to the rest of the league saying, hey, look, I've chosen Cincinnati. I want to play for the Bengals. Uh, And also, a player of his quality is going to solidify that right-hand side of the line. Absolutely no end. So you're looking at Karras, Kappa. And Collins on that right-hand side. That's that is that's a significant upgrade, I think.
0: It's huge. It's possibly the biggest and most um, impressive free agent the Bengals have signed. I mean, flat out in the last 15, 20 years. I mean, you'd argue Hendrickson was a good signing. DJ Reader was a very good signing. I'm not sure when we signed them, they were perhaps as, um, at the elite level that someone like Leo Collins is. Yeah. Um, I really didn't think it would happen. I thought they, I thought they'd maybe think about it. I thought maybe someone like Miami would come in stronger. I know New England were interested as well. And I like the aggressiveness of the Bengals' approach. They got him in. They didn't let him leave. They nailed him down. They got Burrow out there recruiting for him, taking him out to dinner, buying a lot of steaks for everyone. I around. think he
1: invited people round. I think he invited the whole yeah. offensive line round for a Squ- uh, SpongeBob SquarePants uh, mega viewing evening and take
0: like a few uh <laughs> a few addresses.
1: <laughs> Take away curry, I don't know, a couple of massive naan breads and just watched uh, SpongeBob in their, in their <laughs> jogging pants. And um...
0: It is that massive thing, though, isn't it? Because Joe Burrow is a bit of a rock star around the league. He's known as being quite a cool guy, a bit of swagger. You know, he's got um, – it's just a big – he's a guy you'd want to hang out with. And I think that's something for someone like Leo Collins coming into town – um, Lael Collins went to LSU as well, I believe, didn't he? So yeah. there's a massive connection for the two of them there. And I just don't think you'd necessarily had that in the past with a guy on the team that would command that much respect that you'd want to be like, Oh, you know, I'm getting to go out with dinner. This guy, and I think Burrow would do such a fantastic job as well, sitting down, you know, with a few um, naan breads and some and mango chutney, all the rest of it. Sorry, and- papa, and- what? you do do a good job of actually selling the franchise and saying look we made the super bowl last year back me we'll get there like you with you protecting me like there's no reason we can't go there again and i think that is a massive selling point to some of these free agents that are in high command that have got teams that like miami and new england franchises that are quite appealing for different reasons for us to be going out there and saying, actually, no, don't worry about it, we'll get him, and not even giving up a pick as well. I mean, that's another massive.
1: Well, that's it, I think. I think,
0: you know, th- th- there's been I mean, people were talking about they're happy to give up a second round pick for him, they're happy to give up a fourth round pick for him. So, you give up nothing for him is absolutely unbelievable. So, yeah, it's huge. I mean, it, it, like you said, I mean, the difference of having Collins, Kappa, and Karras over Riley Reef, Quinton Spain, Trey Hopkins, there's a chance, I guess, that. Spain may come back and fill that sort of left guard spot. We'll wait and see on that. But even if he doesn't and you stick in um, you know, one of the younger guys and say, you know, go on, lads, go in there and see what you can do, Jackson Carmen. I mean this this line is significantly and far above what I think they'd realistically do in free agency.
1: If if you were if you were Joe Burrow and you were having a takeaway curry evening around your house what what would you what would you order for Leal collins do you think you going full out Papa Doms, nans? uh
0: yeah yeah to he want to bit want a bit of food i would have thought and he's a big geezer um chutneys all the, chutneys, know, all
1: the chutneys you reckon
0: laels into his spicy food or do you think he's more of a like more of a know. mild guy i reckon
1: he's a bit spicy i reckon i reckon he could be I, could, I reckon he'd go for a, something like a madras or something like that,
0: definitely. a would say a Oh, what, sorry? Bit of a crazy, Maybe some sort of fish curry for him, a bit rogue.
1: Oh, hello, yeah. That might be a shout. No, I reckon he's... I think he's a... He's a meat eater. I think he is a meat eater. I don't know. A beef, uh, beef Rogan Josh, I reckon for him.
0: Chicken tikka masala. You can't go wrong with chicken tikka masala for the geese. Nice and sweet. No, but he wants um, to make a
1: statement. He's meeting Joe Burrow, the, and he's he's going to be low. I'm going full, full spicy. I think it. I, beef Rogan Josh, I reckon for him. Yeah, with, all, with all the chutneys, the naans, the rice, and the poppadoms, definitely,
0: North Indian special. Just that really yeah. impressed Joe Burrow, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, right. Um, my other question, the other thing I think that I agree with you is that the Bengals' front office has played blinders this week. I mean, they've been on top form, Duke <laughs> Tobin and his team. Like you said, I mean, they've they stayed patient with Collins. They could have submitted a trade offer, probably giving up their, I don't know, second, third round pick for him or even a first. Who knows? Um, but they stayed pat. They waited for the Cowboys to release him. They trusted that they could make a strong play for him. You know, obviously he knows Frank Pollack really, really well. And they trusted those connections and trusted that they could get the job done. And they were patient. They were very focused on him. They were very aggressive in getting him in and they didn't want to let him leave. And, uh, you know, it, by all accounts, it's the same contract pretty much in terms of value that he had in Dallas. So they're not paying anything extra for him in that respect and they're not giving up any draft picks. So, And then you look at the Hayden Hurst deal and the Karras and the Kappa deals, all pretty good value uh, contracts for these good players. I think they've been outstanding for the past week.
0: Uh, You you know what, I completely agree. I I think to a certain extent as well, they would have been looking around the league in the last week or so, and what's happened in the AFC has been the most outrageous arms race that I've ever seen. I mean, some of the talent that's come into the AFC and stuff is ridiculous. And I think the Bengals would have looked at that, and yes, Kappa, Karras, Hayden Hurst are good additions. Obviously, you're losing guys as well. You've got to remember some people like Riley Reef, Spain, Hopkins are all on the way out, CJ Ozama, so you got a couple of nice signings in there and you're feeling fairly good about it. You know, definitely upgrades on the line, but obviously um, nothing elite. And then you see what other, these other teams are doing, especially in the division. I mean, there's been... Not only have the Browns gone out and got Deshaun Watson, which if you take all of the the legal uh, shenanigans out, out of the way, I mean, that's a massive play from the Browns to go and get him um, and obviously to go and get Amari Cooper as well. I mean, that's really like, woof, that's big stuff. From the Browns, you know, you've obviously got all the, the AFC um, West is just out of control. The Chargers have made some massive moves um, that you're obviously looking at and thinking, "Oh, they're going to be with a young quarterback in Justin Herbert, such a problem to get past. And I think they almost had no choice to Bengals. They had to be aggressive. They had to make a big move like that to keep pace. As much as um, you look at the Bengals historically and say, well, it's not something they do. They'd stick to their guns. They don't want to overspend. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. And I, I give a lot of respect to them for doing that because those line moves aren't the sexiest moves. They're not going to send waves around the league. They're not the big skill players that you know get all the flashy um, stats and fantasy points. But they're integral, and they will really. I mean, if you're someone like Jamal Chase, Joe Mixon, anyone like Hayden Hurst, I mean, you're licking your chops thinking, Cole, we've got some real classy lineman coming in here. They're going to give Joe Burrow a bit more time. They're going to open up the running lanes." Whatever else, I mean, I think it's huge. I think they're massive, massive signings, and I think it's massive disrespect around the league for these um, for what the Bengals have done. Because and I'm not normally one to sit here and cry over that and be like, oh, the media doesn't like the Bengals. But what I thought was fascinating is the Bengals were about a third or fourth in the league for with the bookies to win the Super Bowl at the end of the season. You know, people said, look, they're a good young team. They're only going to get better. They've got all this cap room, etc. With all the crazy moves that happened in the last week or two, I had a check before he we went on the air today, and I was like, you know, let's have a look round here, see what see what the the bookies are making of it. So we've gone from about the third or fourth favourite around the league to win the Super Bowl to joint eleventh, and you've got Cleveland that are better odds than us to win the Super Bowl. The Ravens are slightly better odds than us to win the Super Bowl. I mean, we're third in our division to just even win our own division now, mm. and we've we've better from a team that made the Super Bowl. I mean, you've got some teams above us now that I'm looking around and I'm like, that's absolutely crazy just because you've gone and got, you know, these sort of fancy, slightly more flashy players in. And I think what the Bengals have done, as usual, it's under the radar, but it's going to be effective. And I think of all the teams that have gone making these splashy plays, you've got to integrate them and new quarterbacks that have got to figure out new systems and get to grips with new coaching – the Bengals very low key, but very effectively. I think have been very, very smart, and that goes back to what we were saying about the massive credit to the front office.
1: Yeah, I, I think they've been. They they've obviously had a plan, which is great for a start. It's just not kind of splashing the cash for. Just, just, just for the sake of it, they've actually had a plan. They've kind of we all knew what they had to do, and they knew what they had to do. They had to sort out the interior of the offensive line. And they went out and did it. Now, I'm not sure whether they planned for Leo Collins being released or traded or not, but I'm sure once that news – well, obviously. So once that news uh, emerged, I think they thought, right, now we can we can actually upgrade the right tackle position as well. Um, I'm still a bit iffy about the left guard position, I have to say. Maybe they'll bring back Quentin Spain. That would be my hope if they can – get some uh, get some cash to get in. Hopefully there's a... I do think they need another cornerback of some description to beef out and fill out that room. I do think they need another three-technique defensive tackle to to rotate with BJ Hill. Those are the only spots, really. But they've been laser-focused. They've had a plan. They've been for patient. They knew what they had to do. We knew what... Uh, everybody knew what they had to do. Yeah. And instead of fanning about and going off here and there on tangent... They were just really laser focused on what they had to do and who they had to bring in. They identified the guys who they liked, they bought them in. And now we're sitting at potentially, if all goes to plan, a much improved offensive line. And if you oh, yeah. And we've seen it, if you can give Joe Borrow an extra two or three seconds, that's gonna make a hell of a lot of difference. If you give him much cleaner pockets, it's gonna make a hell of a lot of difference. So uh, hats off, hats off to the to the front office. Um, one guy that is definitely leaving us and has left us, how weird was it seeing him in a New York Jets cap, answering, you know, transferring all that energy that he brought to the Bengals to New York was, of course, CJ Uzama. And, you know, as uh, long-term listeners will know, we like to... Um, do a little song, a little tribute song to the players that we love the most. And CJ is definitely in that bracket. So here's our tribute song to CJ Uzuma. We love CJ Uzoma. A tiger, not you jaguar. People can't pronounce his name. Every try is quite lame. Uso Uzi you mama. No, it's CJ Uzuma. No matter what he's called, he's our boy, rest assured. Now he's offering really sad. Who's gonna be the locker room lad? It's a shame for our team. So much so we could scream. Everybody loves CJ, we don't want him to go away, but he's off to NYC to eat pizza and pastrami You can't take a buffy nose. He drinks movies for his help and dresses up as a Christmas elf CJ, never forget your roots, even though you look like roots. AJ got an injury. Eddus worried about his knee. He was back in just two weeks. Leg brace thrown for all to see. He is our heart and soul. Ended up in the Super Bowl. We'll always have one of us. It's a phrase you can trust. When it changed to it is us. Everyone boarded the bus. We love CJ Uzuma. He is gone, but never far. We love CJ Uzuma. A tiger, not a jaguar. We love CJ mark Chelsea boy that's a laugh. We love CJ mark big brother to Jamar. We love CJ mark our very own superstar.
0: outrageous and incredible at the same time son fair play to you
1: <laughs> okay uh is that good outrageous and incredible i think
0: i think be. so yeah i think so i mean a nice little beat to it i quite like how you sort of chabbed yourself up with the, the lyrics as well, well. you
1: gotta got do it mate you know what i mean gotta get a bit, bit of madness know. in there got be CJ, a up? <laughs> <laughs> i should have got you to sing it really let's face it but um <laughs> Uh, so there you go uh, apologies to Suggs and Madness and to CJ but uh, we'll miss CJ Uzama and um, we CJ wish... Uzama <laughs> we'll miss him but uh, we wish him well there was a bit of a a storm actually did you see that today and yesterday
0: yes outrageous today... sort of thing you'd see on uh, reality TV I know Dave
1: Lapper making uh, so well mentioning that uh CJ is dating Kay Adams. Obviously, there's been a lot of speculation just because of their flirtatious relationship, you know, on 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 social media and whenever he's appeared on Good Morning Football. I mean, everybody loves CJ, don't they? But you know, it was a nice, flirty relationship between the pets. So, quite natural pe- people kind of speculated that maybe that's the reason why he's gone to New York, or one of the reasons. But CJ, okay. was <laughs> CJ was not happy at all. Was they? CJ was not happy at all. And he took to Twitter to kind of put Dave Lapham straight about that. And Dave apologised. And like you say, it was all a bit reality TV for about 30 seconds. But it's all cool, I'm sure. Uh, so he wished CJ uh, well.
0: CJ's got with his missus. I think that's what's happened. Say again. CJ's got in trouble with his missus. That's what's happened.
1: I think so. I think you're
0: right. Yeah, she's, she's seen it, called him out on it. He's got a bit of an earful, and then CJ sort of tail between his legs had to go on Twitter and say, "Look, stop all this bollocks." And you know, I mean, CJ, you know, if you're his missus and he's flirting McKay like that, and he, I mean, you know, everyone knows what people can be like. You know, you maybe Absolutely. have to call him out on it.
1: Maybe you do. Maybe you do. Right, let's get to your correspondence. Um Slam Dunk at Slam Dunk the Funk. It's all a bit overwhelming. Joe wants, Joe gets. Credit to Duke in the front office. CJ Leaving was disappointing from a leadership point of view, but production can be replaced. Good to see the cheap Bengals being cheap. Laughter emoji. Um it's interesting, isn't it? I I was thinking about Joe Burrow today. Um And I thought, you know, Boomer was my guy and he was my very first love, I think, Boomer. And uh, no one touches you like your very first love, I don't think. Um, But I'm beginning to love Joe Burrow, I have to say. I just really like, I think he's a really interesting character, I think. You know what I mean? Like we've said it before on this podcast. He's he's very private, but he's very calm, uh, but very confident without being too... Cocky, do you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, I think I think he's he's got the, he's got something about him. Not that you know, I might be the last person on earth to realize that, but I do think he's 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 an intriguing character. I'm starting starting to like him a lot. I must say, uh, Andrew Dockerall at Docker's seventy-seven. We told him not to panic. A CB one away from something super sexy and very happy with the options there at thirty-one. That's before the Gilmore rumours. I think Andrew would like to sign Gilmore uh, and still draft a a cornerback in that first round. Ken Troop at Super Trooper 64. Um, Great week. Free agents are now increasingly attracted to Cincinnati. Getting to a Super Bowl and having Joe Burrow is definitely having an impact. Would like to think fan engagement also a factor. Yeah, that's interesting. Like I said, you know, I think some people kind of stepped over the line in terms of engagement this this week just uh, you just worry about them for tweeting you know like every 20 seconds um but yeah you can't you know it was a lot of fun people making you know photoshops of leo collins you know in different positions and places and uh it was just a lot of fun over the weekend i think Peter Danswell at Dadders. Each week in the playoffs was exciting and nervous at the same time. What might happen? Could we just? But in a, in such a different way last week, the first week of free agency was equally exciting. Uh, hope really does spring eternal. And we have been given plenty of fresh hope by these free agency moves. I think that's it, isn't it? You know, like you said, you know, I know they had a plan. It's difficult, though, I don't know, once you see all these teams signing all these great players, especially in your division, especially in your conference, I think the pressure on is to kind of make sure that you add quality to your roster as well.
0: Yep. 100%. I I think there would have been pressure on the Bengals. You could tell there was pressure on them because of what was happening on Twitter over... The weekend, you could see people panicking a little bit and worrying that, that we haven't done enough Is These these guys on the line are good. They're going to make an addition. They're going to probably be an upgrade on what we had. But Leo Collins takes it to that next level. And I think it shows the Bengals are willing to invest. It really knocks that cheap narrative on the head. And like I said, it really does it help us compete across the board. They're not the three very good offensive linemen. They're not going to be front page news on NFL Network. They're not going to be splashed all over ESPN and the networks and people barking on about. And that's going to be the Russell Wilsons. That's going to be the Aaron Rodgers big contracts. The Deshaun Watsons, Amari Cooper's, Khalil Max, all of those guys that around the league have been creating all this drama. Tom Brady, obviously, as well. So the Bengals very low key. Have done a really nice job and like I said it might not go be that noticeable but we all know as fans and people who know the team inside out that there's a huge step forward and for a team that was in the Super Bowl last year and came very a minute or two away from winning it for you to noticeably be stronger across the board and I think we'd all agree on that that's a very good position to be in
1: some breaking news Nathan um the Bengals have signed wide receiver Trenton Irwin to a one-year contract. Possibly the smiliest person on the team, I think. And they've also released cornerback Trey Waynes. So that's it for Trey Waynes, as we thought they might. Um, You know, absolutely destroyed by injury these past couple of years. What a shame for him. I think, you know, they signed him to a big contract, signed him in good faith. He's a good player. Uh, and yeah, just one of those signings that didn't work out because of just awful injury luck, really. So uh, Trey Wayne's all the best, uh, of course he's appeared on this podcast, and he's a nice guy. So uh, we wish him well for the future. And uh, sorry, it didn't work out in Cincinnati. I mean, him in imagine if he was he was full full fitness. It was, it's difficult to know how he'd been, but um,
0: yeah, a very good quarterback wasn't he? I mean, before he came to Cincinnati, we all saw him as being a real little solid addition, you know, a high-end cornerback, and that they paid him as such. And it's fortunate for the Bengals in the last two years that so many of the free agents they've signed have worked out, and it's really sort of proven to the front office that actually you can build the team through free agency effectively by spending money, because otherwise that sort of Trey Wayne's deal was one of the most expensive ones financially. If that had been Sort of the only thing to fall back, and I think the front office would have just been thinking, Cole, we can't, you know, get any luck with these free agents of the past." So, good luck, I mean, good luck to to Trey Waynes. I'm sure he'll find a home somewhere else, and fingers crossed he can get past those injuries.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Jamie at Trequart Beast. Lovely to have an O line. Time to finish things off by getting a few backups and rotation guys in. Then on to the draft. Here, here, Rob Hill at Logan never held um, solid. I'm feeling positive, but I also know that we were fortunate last year with injuries, so I'd like a backup or two for the line. Otherwise, we may end up with Prince and energy again if we go long again. So good to see the Bengals challenging the narrative about being tight. Here hear, Rob.
0: I think that's such a good point as well, what Jamie said and what Rob said about the backups, because... The sad thing is, when you get these great free agents in and you draft these rookies and you've got this talent on the team, people are going to get injured. And that's what's sad is that you go out there and you get a Layle Collins and Kappa and Karras. At some point, someone could go down and it could derail all of your plans that you sat there all off season, sitting there thinking, oh, you know, we've got it all locked up here. It's all going to work like a you know, beautiful old machine. There's going to be injuries and people go down. And ultimately, we may end up having to rely on Isaiah Prince, Adenergy, Carmen, um, Eli Apple, whoever it is, Joseph Asai or the Lions, to step up and play more than we think they're going to. And that's the thing. The Bengals done a good job in recent years in getting those depth pieces in and making sure that if a couple of guys do go down, it is that next man up mentality and they can do a good job. And that's where where I think they will make a few moves. I think you've probably seen um, the last of the big moves. I reckon there's a... 20% 20% chance you might see a guy like a Stefan Gilmore who's a bit of a higher tier free agent, but I think they're probably going to look around and try and bring in a couple of like Ricardo Allen style signings of the past. People that are decent, people that come in and um, be solid additions, but maybe not headline worthy. But as they both said, they're the guys that may end up playing more than you think depending on injuries.
1: But the good thing I think about that is the likes of Isaiah Prince, the likes of Jackson Carmen, the likes of... Akeem and Energy will have gone away and worked really hard this off season, and they've had some valuable starting NFL experience. And I think that's something that that's you have to count that for something. So yes, they're backups, but I mean they've got some. As I say, they've got some valuable reps and snaps in the NFL that a lot of backups can't say they have. So let's hope they they make uh, they make a jump. Killian at Malloy underscore double zero. Don't want to jump to any conclusions after our recent signings, but we are definitely winning the Super Bowl next year and every year after that from now to eternity. Good to see that you're not being uh, overly optimistic there, Killian. Uh, Sean at Disciple of Ange. Gonna have to nickname the O line Jurex because nothing is gonna get through them. Yikes. Okay. Daniel at London Bengal. I'm feeling yay. Well, aren't we all? We all feel a bit yay today, Daniel, I think. Uh, Richard at Always Open 85. Um, In my 20 years as a Bengals fan, this is the best and most well thought out free agency period I have ever witnessed. And I'm sure they have plenty of depth pieces to come. May even a few more surprise value starter pickups. And Tony Torrance at Tony Torra. In my thirty-five years, the last three years have been the best free agency in drafting I can remember. There was a similar period under Lewis, yeah. know I mean, they did draft for two, or three years really well under Marvin. I think to kind of build up to that twenty fifteen yeah. team, didn't they? Uh, and but then after twenty fifteen, they <laughs> they had a few years that were a bit dodge. But I think Tone is right. They have drafted well these past couple of three years, and they've also allied that to uh actually doing something in free agency um
0: i wonder if at any point it might change their draft strategy this time round. like we're obviously drafting a bit later on in the rounds do they be aggressive and maybe move up, you know, package up some picks to move up in the first round and get a guy they really want that think that they think could contribute immediately? Obviously, the Bengals in an unusual position of being at the very back end of each round rather than in the sort of front or certainly in the top half like they've been for the last few years. So it will be interesting to see if they sit there and they say, we're going to take our seven picks. They don't have any comp picks this time round. Or they say, look, we think we've got enough talent here. We don't really need Um, to be worrying about the sort of later rounds as much and they try and package those up, maybe have less picks, but actually go for guys they think could make more of an impact straight away. Or do they even go out there and say, we're being super aggressive here, we're going to trade one of those picks for a guy that could come in on the defensive line, for example, um, just before the season starts to maybe bolster up that position or another position that we wouldn't expect. So I think there's still potentially some, some tricks up Duke Tobin's sleeve and you'd like to see them really be as aggressive as they can and acknowledge, like I think they certainly have done so far, that we're all in this year, let's get every gun, every missile, weapon, the rest of what we've got, and really go out that absolute war zone that now is the AFC. Um,
1: I do I do wonder if they're going to hold off on signing anyone until the draft, because um, they can go best player available, but they put themselves in a position to go to that. There's a few obvious needs, but... For instance, if they don't pick up, say, a Zion Johnson in the first round at guard, then they might go back to Quinton Spain and sign him on a on a deal. Uh, do you know what I mean? They might they might take that approach, or um, they don't tend to, do they? They tend to fill holes before the draft. They do like to, apart from when they had to draft a center a few years back. Uh, they left it. They left one gaping hole in that team, and that was center. And uh, we all, everyone knew what they were going to do, and they did. They drafted Billy Price uh, instead of um, Frank Ragnow. Frank Ragnow and um, James Daniels, didn't they? Um, That didn't really work. But we know got B.J. Hill out of it, so that's not a problem. But yeah, it'd be interesting. I think they set themselves up for a best player available uh, approach to the draft, which you know is what every team wants, really. but we'll see. The draft is merely, you know, it's about a month away, isn't it? Pretty much. Uh, finally, Sam Reeve at Johnny Prong. Um, yeah, it, well, he echoes this. He says, in great, in a great position for the draft, take best play available or possibly trade for extra picks if the team have need at QB, maybe. QB? Maybe CB, uh, Sam. Love the look of the revamped offensive line. Looking forward to see what Joey B can do with all those extra seconds. Here, hear, Sam. Uh, and that's about it, really. Um, I wonder if, uh, like you say, it's worth keeping an eye on things and keeping in touch with us. We're at 2day underscore UK on Twitter. Uh, we're on Bengals UK on Facebook and YouTube and Bengals underscore UK on Instagram. Come and say hello wherever... You are, or whatever social platform that you use, will obviously be keeping you up to date with what's going on in free agency. Um But now we've signed our signed our sort of marquee player. Uh, I expect it to be, you know, a hell of a lot quieter than last week. Uh, but we'll see. I'm sure there's lots of fun things in the NFL to keep us entertained, and there's plenty of good players out there that teams will want to sign. So. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. Uh, We'll be back next week to talk to you, to say hello. Um, So in the meantime, it's a who day from me. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.